Welcome to Sound Leadership with DJ, the podcast that explores all things leadership. If you're interested in learning from the best and the brightest minds in the world of leadership, you've come to the right place. In today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us today, Dave. Dave has a diverse career with experiencing ranging from being a hotel manager, school teacher, roadie, musician, newspaper columnist, and even a dot-com guy in the 90s. Eventually, Dave found his passion in healthcare and has held various leadership roles, including nursing home administrator, regional manager, divisional manager, COO, and the all-impressive CEO title. However, what truly brings Dave joy is his pride in the many leaders he's trained and mentored over the year. He likes to see them grow and achieve even greater success. Dave is not only passionate about leadership, but he also loves talking and learning about it. In our conversation with Dave, we would dive into the various aspects of leadership, including teaching through story, developing young leaders, and the valuable lessons that he's learned from being on the front line. Join us as we explore Dave's journey, discussing his early days, the challenges he's faced, and the lessons he's learned. We will gain insights from Dave, and he will inspire and motivate inspiring leaders. We'll uncover the strategies and approaches he has used to make him the success he is today. We will pick his wisdom and learn from him. So buckle up and get ready to be inspired, motivated, and empowered to become your best self. Let's dive into the world of leadership together on this episode on Sound Leadership with DJ. Welcome, Dave. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you. That sounds an awful lot better than I actually am. So thanks for that. Listen, <laughs> don't downplay your successes. You're on this show because you are a leader, right? And oh. I, I love leadership, and it it sounds like you love leadership. So while I did a um, mock introduction, I'll let you introduce yourself. Who is Dave? Oh goodness, um, I, my daughter gets upset when I always say I'm just some guy. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of different things and I've lived a lot of different places. And I, I think, you know, there's a few things that just sort of stand out to me and it's people. People are the same everywhere you go. People have um, the same desires, the same things that they want to do, the same things they want to learn. And it's just exciting to meet people and, and learn about them. So I, I kind of feel the same way as you do, I think, about that. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, that's what's fascinating about leadership is you get to meet a wide range of people, right? You know, your leadership journey, you didn't start at the top. You started out as a, as a, as a uh, what did I say in your uh, introduction? Uh, a dot com guy in the 90s? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I was I was with Ancestry.com when it was a bunch of guys behind a, behind a gas station in Northern Utah in like two rooms. What? <laughs> 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 like college student they hired. Wow. And, and, and then you segued into leadership. So what is, by default, what is your definition of leadership? Oh, you know, I, I think probably the best definition of leadership that I've ever heard somewhere and stole it and kind of adopted it is a leader is someone who develops other leaders. You, you know, I spent uh, a huge part of my early career in healthcare going into nursing homes or LTACs or ICFs, ALs, places that were really badly broken and fallen apart. And one of the things that always struck me, and again, here I go, I have to, to illustrate through a story, but one of the things that really struck me was 
almost every time I went in, I wasn't following someone who'd been a bad leader. Uh, I was following someone that was universally recognized as a superstar. But once they'd left, the wheels fell off the bus within three to six months. Now, in my mind, that's one crappy leader. Because if you only have to be there all the time and have your fingers on everything, I think what uh, Jim Collins called the genius with a thousand helpers. And we all know those leaders, that they have the right idea and they've learned management speak to try and get people in meetings to say what they want them to say and go, great idea, well done. I'd rather have an idea that's maybe 90%, 80%. But if it came from someone that's in the field, someone that's in your team, it's going to be better because, they, first of all, they know things I don't. Second of all, they're going to be bought in. They're going to make that thing work much better than if they're just trying to implement my stupid idea. And last of all, I think, you know, a real leader has to draw that out. I think that, you know, especially in healthcare, we've got a bit of a superpower and that we aren't just having to motivate people or inspire people to make widgets. What we're doing is dealing with people and nobody got into this business to become rich and famous. They got into this business to make a difference. And what we have to do as leaders is remind people reignite that spark, reignite that passion. That's our superpower because it's easy. You just got to bring them back and stories help do that. And I know I'm kind of all over the place, but for me, that's what leadership is. It's helping to reignite that passion so you can get the good ideas from the CNA that works night shift on Sundays. And so she knows things you don't know. Uh, She's had 40 years to think about a solution, which is a lot longer than I've had. So I I think that's what leadership is. It's seeing those great ideas, inspiring, drawing that passion out, and then helping those people develop and put structure around their ideas so that they can do that in the future. For me, the proudest thing in my career isn't how well we did or any, it's certainly not EBITDA or census. For me, the proudest thing in my career is, um, in fact, on the shelf behind me, you can see there's a a little thing up there that I got from one of my nursing homes when I left as the administrator and they all signed it. It's a bit of rubble from the... uh, from the construction we did. And what I love is from that place, we've had, I think, 13 administrators so far, 16 DONs, bunch of regional VPs. One of my CNAs is a senior VP of marketing. I mean, to me, that's the success is that they did much better after I left. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, and, and what you mentioned is very important, right? Because like you said, you know, they followed the leader, but the moment the leader left, like you said, they the wheels fell off the bus. And you know, I, I think it's interesting, right? Because in order for us, and I feel, right, for us to be an effective leaders, we have to empower our team so that when we get off the bus, the bus keeps moving down the road, right? It doesn't fall apart when I'm not there, when I'm not in the facility, you're not in the facility, or we transition to a new facility, right? We want to empower, we want to inspire. So how do you empower and how do you inspire your team to continue to push that bus down the road? It's so individual. Um, you have to really get to know people and, and you can't fake it. It has to be genuine. If, you, if you're trying that business speak and like, tell me about yourself, people see through it a mile away. You have to understand what is it that makes this person tick? What's the thing they're fired up about? Is it CNAs? Is it dementia care? What, what is it? And when you can find that, you know, being able to reignite that spark a little bit, um, you know, I, I think I always, I always like to tell stories and remind people why we did it. And I got a good one if you want it in a little bit, but it's uh, on why I got excited about nursing care that, that works. But once you found that person's story and heard their story, 
uh, about why they care about it. Then what you've got to do is help them develop those skills and tools to be able to have the confidence to make decisions on their own. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of that. I, I had a, a maintenance guy, um, Nathan, brilliant bloke. And he was really new, really young, early 20s. And this guy used to come to me almost every day with a new problem. And it was always, here is our problem. And he's now made it half of mine. He'd wait for me to give him the answer because that's what he'd always had. He'd always wait for me to say, this is the answer, go forth. And I used to drive this poor guy nuts because I would ask him, what is it that you think we should do? How is that going to impact the staff and patients? What's it going to cost? What's some other alternatives? And, and make him go through those questions. And I remember he told me that after about six months, he came to me once with an issue. And, uh, you know, he, he was coming with a problem. He says, Dave's, and he stopped on the way to my office. He says, Dave's just going to ask me, what's my solution? And so he went away and he thought of a solution and he came back a day later and he says, wait, he's going to ask me, what are some alternatives to that solution? So he thought of some more. And then he says, on the way back to your office a third time, I went, he's going to ask me what it costs and which one's the best and how is it going to impact staff and patients? And so he went and thought about that. And he says, I decided this one option was the right one. And he says, I was on my way to your office and I thought, I'm not going to waste my time. He's just going to tell me to do the one I decided on. And, and he was coming back to sort of let me know what he'd done and maybe seek a little bit of approval. You know, the, the solution he came up with was actually not one I would have done. Wow. wow. But it he was the right solution. Yeah, it was the right solution. Not because it's one I would have thought of. And if I had, it's not one I would have chosen. But it was the right solution because he'd gone through that process. He'd figured out how it was going to impact people, the cost. He'd, he'd done the analysis and he'd come to a decision and then gone ahead and implemented it. And I couldn't have been wow. more proud of him. And, wow. you know, he went on to run his own building. I don't know that he would have if he hadn't figured that out. Yeah. And you've got to let people figure it out. You've got to let them make mistakes. You've got to let yes. them come up with yeah. something that's different than you would do. You know, we've, we've all had that leader that, um, you know, I had one that no matter what I came to him with, he would say, no, that's not right. And then he'd repeat back essentially what I'd done. I'm like, okay, how's it different? <laughs> well, you have to figure that out, Dave. I'm like, well, you know, if you think it's got to be different, tell me where I'm wrong. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I even want to tell people how they're wrong. I just yes. want to say, well, have you thought about this? I'm yes. not going to tell you you're wrong and here's why. I'm going to say, have you thought yes. about how it impacts this patient population? Have you thought about how that impacts accounting or how it impacts nursing? And then let them walk through and see for themselves, oh, that might be a problem. Maybe I need to modify my idea. Or maybe I'm wrong and there is a way to it. But it's not about giving people answers. It's helping people find answers. I, I, I love your analogies and, and, and your story behind it. And uh, I think what you're talking about, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but really connecting with people and understanding that new buzzword that's kind of out there, emotional intelligence. So, oh, yeah. Talk to me about leadership, emotional intelligence, right? And you, you kind of hinted on it, right? You connect with each individual person. You give them the skills to to develop um, themselves. So before, before you answer that, I'll share a little plug for my for my guy. Um, I worked as an LPN. You know, I became an LPN when I was 22, 23. And one of my first leadership roles was 24. And I used to go to my boss, my Jamal, and, and I would just bring him problems. 
And he said, hold on, no, don't come to my office if you're just going to bring me problems. You have to come with solutions, right? You're in leadership as well. So just because I'm the director of nursing and you're the assistant director of nursing, you don't bring all the problems to me. We put you in this role because we believe that you can solve the problems. You have the skill set to solve the problems. And I remember at, at 24, I was like, why is he being so mean? He's the boss. But that shaped me into the leadership person and the leadership that I have today. And, and once again, it goes back to emotional intelligence. So how do you incorporate emotional intelligence into your leadership practice? Okay. Uh, well, my, my aha moment on that as well was Ancestry.com, by the way, when I asked my boss how to do something. And he said, <laughs> sure, I know. And then I watched him get it wrong and figure it out on the computer in front of me. I thought, he doesn't know any better than I do. I can do that. Yes. I can figure it out. I yes. never asked him again. Like, I'll figure it out. But, you know, not everyone's going to be that way. And I think yes. you, you have to understand who each of those individuals are. And it starts, I think, with viewing people as people. Um, you know, I, I think when you talk about leadership, a lot of times people talk about um, how to get what you want or how to deal with the problem. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Arbinger Institute and some of the great training they do on uh, leadership and self-deception, but that's one that's always stuck with me. Uh, they talk about the idea of treating people as people rather than objects. And I've never had anything resonate so strongly with me. Treating someone as an object doesn't mean that you're mistreating them. It just means that you don't fundamentally care about them. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> So what I mean by that is I can say, I need this person to do X, Y, Z for me. Yes. Maybe I give them a raise. Maybe I give them a promotion. Maybe I praise them if that's the thing that they like, because um, that's not everybody's thing. Or this person is a problem. Maybe I start them on a plan and write them up. Or You can do all the things and you can say it and package it as nicely or as unpleasantly as you like. But regardless of that behavior, hard or soft, there's an underlying, do you care about this person as an individual? And as is my, my way, I'll tell you a story that illustrates that, uh, where I got it wrong. All my stories are about where I got it wrong. Uh, I just That's got back. That's how you learn that. and grow yes. as a leader, though, right? You, you don't lead by all successes, right? Great leaders have failed multiple times, repeatedly, right? And we learn from our failures, and we're not afraid to display them for others to see, right? I always tell people, yeah. right, I have failed so many times. And if I can prevent you from failing, then that's my that's what I'm here for. I want to assist you to greatness. So you don't have to go down the same road. You don't have to take the fails sure. that I've done. And I'm not afraid to share it. And you get ready to, like you say, share a story about a time that you failed and you're sharing with others so they don't have to go down that same road. Well, yes, that's where, you know, a lot of times we want to punish mistakes and it's really, we should celebrate mistakes. Yes. Uh, I had a, a CNA, 18 year old CNA, who um, made a, a mistake with infection control during a survey and then compounded it when she saw the survey write something down. She kept making it worse and worse and running out the room crying in her PPE. And, uh, you know, just it was a cross contamination nightmare. We end up getting a, a pretty major tag for it. And I heard about it and I went and found this CNA in my office. And she's sitting there sobbing, waiting in my office. I don't know why she was there. Someone had sent her down there. And she's on the phone to her mom and saying, you know, I know this is my first job. It was her first job. She'd been like three months. And she goes, I'm going to get fired, you know. And so I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
why, why do you think you're getting fired? And she says, well, I made this big mistake. You know, there's at least a $25,000 fine. That's going to be a big a revisit. And I said, okay, but what do I want right now? What I want right now is to be able to clear the tag and I want to be able to fix the mistake, have good QA, have everybody in the building trained. You know, we're going to do all those things, retrain and, and monitor to make sure we don't have this issue. And I said, I got 212 employees in this building. Out of all 212, which person in this building is the least likely to make that mistake ever? It's you. You are the last person I want to fire because you are now my absolute champion. You're my person that knows this better than anybody else and is deeply connected to never getting this wrong again. You're the person that I want here. I want everybody else to be as focused on this as you are right now. So why would I fire you? So, I, I mean, I think you do learn from the mistakes. As far as the emotional intelligence, you know, I, I think where I got it wrong <laughs> is uh, I just finished doing the training. And you ever come out of a training where you're all buzzed up and you're like, I'm going to go apply this. Couldn't wait. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they talked about how to let people go and how to treat people the right way. And I had this nurse and it had been a long set of issues with this manager and we were going to have to terminate her. And um, so I sat down and I said all the right things. I used all the right words and you know we care deeply about you we want you to be happy you know we don't see that happening here because of these things blah 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 blah. and inside i didn't really feel that inside she was a pain in my rear and i wanted her done because i was just over it. we're human what's that she she saw right she saw right through me she saw right through me and she's like you're just using all that management speak you don't believe a word of that and I stopped and I said, um, you know what? You're absolutely right. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry I tried to do that to you. Um, that's not fair. That's not right. I'm mad about what you did. I'm frustrated with it. And I've been frustrated with your performance. And we are going to part way with you, ways with you. And we are going to try and make it as smooth as possible for you. And, you know, we'll only give you good references and so on. But at the end of the day, you're right. I'm I, All the things I was saying weren't true. I'm not really feeling that way. I'm feeling frustrated. And I'm sorry that I wasn't honest with you about that. Wow. Um, but you fast forward a few weeks later, and I, I, I learned from that. I had a, the worst receptionist in the world. Um, our t telephone system was just beyond her. She could not figure out how to transfer a call without hanging it up. And I mean, it just she couldn't do it. It was long past time. And it was just time to end the relationship. And it, she was a good kid, you know, young, I think 19. And um, I thought before I, I talked to her, I stopped and I took about a half hour to think about all the times I'd failed and to think about all the times I'd been in the wrong position or not able to get something or do something. And I thought, let me, let me really focus in on what that feels like so that I can understand her and I can be genuine in talking to her about that because I can relate that to something that happened to me. And so I brought her in and I just said, look, what, what do you want to do with your life? And we, we ended up just chatting. And after a while, she opened up and she started telling me about how she wanted to cut hair. She wanted to go to beauty school. We started looking up local beauty schools. After a couple of hours, we figured out, you know, that there was a school nearby. We even called them. 
we got her accepted to the next fall, to the next uh, semester. She got a partial scholarship and she's wow. all excited. And then she goes, oh, but but how am I going to be able to go to those classes with my job? The schedules aren't matching. And I said, well, I don't think that's going to be a problem. And she says, oh, are you firing me? I said, yeah, I, I am. And <laughs> she ran over and hugged me. <laughs> It doesn't usually work like that. People are usually yeah, no. the kind of process. <laughs> but the difference is if you genuinely care about someone, if you genuinely are thinking about that person, it has to be real. It has to be real. Um, they, they'll see through it if it's not. And I think if you yeah. genuinely care about them, you can have hard yeah. behaviors, you can have soft behaviors, you can have difficult situations, good situations. Um, I mean, heck, I've been in situations where I got a bonus and was like, ticked off about it because it was... They didn't care. You know, I'd rather they just said thank you and meant it yeah, um, yeah. rather than I'm doing the thing now. Um, you have to genuinely give a darn about people. Otherwise, yeah. you can't be an effective leader with good emotional intelligence. Wow. I, I love the stories. I, I love the stories um, because, you know, they they paint a picture for the listener and they paint a picture for the person that you're talking to right and and what you're doing it you're captivating them you're bringing them in and you're you're bringing them to a level and, and giving them an experience that they may not uh have experienced so let's talk about how you became an administrator how you got into healthcare right I, i've recently interviewed two um two senior level um people in the american college of healthcare administrators right and you know they shared how they fell sure. into becoming an administrator, right? And I've said it plenty of times on, on my podcast, right? I I became an administrator just because I wanted to do better, right? I, I was a nurse, I was a director of nursing, and I, and I wanted to go that step farther, and I wanted to marry operations and clinical. But what's interesting is, right, many people don't know about a nurse or administrator. They don't know what they do. They didn't even know the job title exists. <laughs> when you think of nursing home administrators or nursing homes, you think of nursing it's in the title yeah it's and if we're we're being honest they're 70 to 80 percent of your budget so they are who you think of when you think of a nursing home but there's a little person generally you know in the background who you know helps oversee and helps it you know keep things moving that's the nurse home administrator so how did you get into being a nurse home administrator how did you hear about it how did you learn about it and what keeps you doing it all these years later that's, that's a huge question first of all though i, I love your um I love your idea. The nursing home is this little guy in the background. Uh, I always like the idea that the further away you are from the patients, the less important you are. So there's nobody more important than the CNA. And then yes. all the way up to the CEO is the least important guy. Yes. Yes. Um, but as far as how I got in nursing homes, like most things in my life by accident, um, yes. you know, I, I came to the US the first time due to a clerical error from university paperwork. Um, as far as coming into um, nursing homes. Oh, you're not going to gloss over that. You came into the U.S. How? Uh, it was a clerical error. Uh, they sent, I was going to go to law school in Edinburgh, and they sent um, a rejection and a, a acceptance to everybody by mistake, and then called people and said, oh, this is what it's supposed to be. Um, but my family had moved, and, and one went to one address, one went to the other, and I thought, I don't want to work construction with my dad for the next year. Um, and the only place I'd applied was in America to get some friends of his off my back that kept saying, come here, because they were alumni. And I, yeah. uh, I I went, you know what, I'm going to America for a week. And then it turns out that I actually was accepted to law school after all. So that, 
<laughs> by that time, it was too late. I was in America. But, you know, this this is my whole life is a series of accidents. Uh, and nursing home, becoming a nursing home administrator was the same. I finished um, my MBA at University of Georgia and I um, had a job lined up in, I think it was Dayton Power and Light. And I was supposed to go and work as a Six Sigma process engineer, which sounds horribly boring. So I'm really glad it didn't work. Uh, I was loading the moving truck and they said, we're actually got a hiring freeze right now for the next year. We still want you, but in a year. And, you know, I had a, an infant <laughs> daughter with some special needs and my wife, and I'm like, we can't do this. So I called everyone I know, and my friend, uh, Brian Hulse, great guy, um, he had just finished his AIT with the Enzyme Group. And he says, this is great. They won't be hiring AITs for four months, but our annual meeting is uh, in two days and you can come crash in my hotel room. So I hopped on a plane. He called me at like midnight because uh, I was in Illinois in time difference. And then uh, I hopped on a plane about eight hours later, flew out to California, uh, gate crashed Enzyme's annual meeting and couldn't keep my mouth shut when they were asking questions in the thing and just started answering everything. Over about three days, I ended up meeting everybody there and interviewing with them and they just hired me. <laughs> So that's that's how I became a nursing home administrator. Um, wow. Just, wow. I don't know, kind of persistence and necessity, jumping on a plane and gate crashing a meeting and having an opinion about everything. Um, but the reason that I stayed, as always, I got a story. Um, I'd been a nursing home administrator maybe about three weeks. And, uh, you know, I'd never really done anything more than a few years before I got bored and moved on. And here I've been in healthcare of one type or another for 20 years. Wow. Um, I'd been about three weeks as a nursing home administrator and I had a woman come in and scream at me. And wow. it gave me this huge moment of deja vu because four years earlier, I'd been a hotel manager. And when I was managing the hotel, I had a guest that came in and demanded to speak to the manager. She screamed at me. She yelled at me. She called me every name in the book. And the reason that she was so upset is the curtains in her room were the wrong color. Okay. Uh, so what did I do? I did all of those things that you learn in management classes. I apologized. We switched out the curtains in our room. You know, you smile. You're like, we're so sorry. What can you make, make your stay better? Blah, blah, blah. I gave her some extras to her stay. And that was that. But inside, I was not having good feelings towards this woman. I was hoping that something horrible happened to her on the way out of the hotel. Maybe as soon as she left the grounds, a uh, freak yachting accident or something. I, I was having a hor you know, horrible feelings about her and hated that I had to do all this stuff for her. Wow. So here I was three weeks into my first nursing home. Just put, I, I don't think I even had my license yet to put on the wall. And wow. I, I'm sitting there and this woman comes in, demands to speak to me, screaming, yelling, throwing things, cussing me out, calls me every name in the book because the curtains in her mom's room were the wrong color. Room 101, Bed B, Whittier Hills, California. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just was suddenly taken with this deja vu. It was the exact yeah. same situation. So what wow. did I do? You know, she tells me that, Oprah told her you need a certain color of curtains to promote healing. Fine. <laughs> so what did what did I do? I switched the curtains out. I got her, um, you know, got her all situated. Apologized. I did all the same things I'd done in the hotel. 
on the surface, the two interactions were almost identical. But underneath, I was having this moment of realization. It's not about the curtains. She's upset because her mom has three roommates. She's upset because her mom doesn't recognize her and isn't able to speak anymore. She's upset because her mom's probably not got that long to go. She's got upset because she's mourning someone that she's been gradually losing for years and she has no control over any of it. She has no control over the Medicaid or the bed or the insurance or what the doctor is approving or what's happening to her mom. She doesn't have control of it. But what does she have control of? She has control of the curtains. And as an administrator, as someone in healthcare, I have the extraordinary privilege of being able to help her have that control again. And yes. taking those skills and those uh, leadership things and customer service things that you learn in other professions and using them for something that actually matters. Yes. And I get to give her that control back. That's why I stay. That's why I've been in healthcare because it's a, a thousand moments like that where yes. it's not about making widgets. It's not about someone who wants a free night on their hotel stay. It's about someone who has no control over one of the worst things that's ever happened in her life. And you get to help her have that. Why wouldn't wow. you want to do that? And wow. if you can find everyone that works in this field has got that moment, maybe not quite as weird and deja vu -y, but everybody that works in this field has yeah. something that they go, I helped that person. Yes. And if you can get that story from them, if you can draw that out of them, it reignites why they're here. Because yep. anything can become a job. Anything can become a series of tasks. Yes. But it doesn't have to be. You've got to reignite that. My father-in-law was a corporate pilot. And by the end, he used to get annoyed about, I got a five-day trip to Paris where I'm stuck in a five-star hotel with nothing to do and a thousand bucks to spend every day. That sucks. What? <laughs> you know? Anything yes. becomes a job. And it stops being about helping people. It's, I've yes. got 10 showers to do, like you said. It's, yeah. I've got, you know, people to change. I've got people to feed. No, you get to help someone. And if you can get people to remember that moment, that is the superpower of leadership in our field because no one else has that to be able to reignite that passion and re-inspire people. Inspirational story. And and like you said, all of us, right? I'm an, I'm an administrator as well, right? We have those stories and, and, and I... I I know why I stay into the field, and but but this podcast is not about me. So it's nice to hear why you're staying in the field and, and your thoughts on it, right? So as we start to draw to an end, sure. What words of inspiration, motivation, guidance can you leave our listeners who maybe are tearing on a break of entering into leadership, that but that maybe they're scared. Maybe they want to be an AIT or an administrator, but maybe they're scared. What advice could you give to that person who's watching this video and they're like, look, I want to be like Dave. I want to get a go to law school. I, I want to I want to be a dot com guy. Right. They, 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 they love your story. They're captivated by your story. So what advice could you give them? I, I think you've got to do what you love. And I think you've got to recognize that leadership isn't about a title. Um, you don't have to be the CEO to be the leader. You don't have to be the administrator to be the leader. Uh, you can be the CNA that's the leader. Um, leadership is about what you do. It's not about what title is given to you. I've seen greater leaders in emergencies 
I've seen greater leaders come from the floor as a CNA than any administrator. I remember um, having to evacuate a nursing home. I happened, I was a regional at the time. I happened to be there. Uh, FEMA knocks on the door, said that uh, a dam had burst. We had 50 minutes to get 100 people out. And I went looking for the administrator and he cleaned out his office and took off. Uh, he just left, left his patients. Um, there was a nurse manager and a couple of CNAs. They were the leaders that day. They stepped up and they started, you know, stapling face sheets to people's wheelchairs and bags of meds and getting everybody out of the building while I ran next door to the local wow. elementary school and stole four school buses. Yeah, weirdest credit card bill ever that weekend for gassing up school buses and hotels and food and meds and everything else. But, uh, you know, the leaders are the people who step into that moment. But it also doesn't need to be big emergencies. I think you can take leadership every single day, whatever your position is, whatever it is that you're doing. If it's something that you care about and that you're passionate about and you want to help people, you can take that leadership. Speak up. Speak up. Tell people your ideas. The greatest leaders are not the ones with the titles. The greatest leaders are the people who care, whatever their position is, whatever their level in the organization is. And I would say that if you want to become a leader, I'm going to flip your question around. Instead of saying if you're a CNA that wants to become a leader, if you're a CEO that wants to be a leader, yes, stop relying on your institutional authority and go and ask a CNA who works 2 a.m. on the night shift on Sunday what they think about a situation because they know things you don't. You don't talk to the guy. You, you, you don't change the mop heads without talking to the guy who mops the floor. He knows stuff about it that you don't. And I, yes. I think sometimes a lot of people in leadership positions, frankly, they're guys who look like me, gray-haired, middle-aged white guys that speak English. And, you know, was it the old born on third base and think that you hit a triple? I, I think you've, you've got to understand the challenges at every position, at every level. And there isn't a day that goes by that I don't remind myself. My first job in this country was washing dishes for five bucks an hour. Wow. I did that for years. And, you know, I knew stuff that people who didn't do my job didn't know. You have specific knowledge at every level. And as a leader, you've got to tap into that because if all you're doing is trying to get everybody to do what you want and get everybody to implement your smart ideas, then yes. it will never, ever be better than you can be on your own. But if you can get that specialized knowledge, you might have a CNA that speaks five words of English and can't count past 10, not to be ruder in, but you might have someone who's not educated, who's not all that savvy, but they know stuff you don't. Yes. And they know how to do things you don't. And they have, they've had years to think about answers to problems that you don't even know exist yet. Your job as a leader is to pull that out of those people and to help them feel inspired, to remember why they got into this and to not be afraid to share their ideas. And then when they do it, celebrate it. Don't take credit for it. Don't try and make it into something else. Whatever you do, for goodness sake, don't put a committee around it to redesign it. Take their idea, 
implement their idea yes. and then give all the credit and praise to them that it was their idea and look what they did to make the place better. Because when you do that, other people see it and go, well, maybe maybe someone's finally going to listen to my idea that I've had for 20 years. That's wow. what you do. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I think that your thoughts on leadership is amazing. I'm inspired. I know the viewers are going to be inspired. So, Dave, how can people reach us? Tell us about you. You know, tell us about what you do outside of outside of this podcast, right? Um, you know, I, I know you from LinkedIn, and that's how I've reached out to you. But how could others reach out to you and and, and kind of really learn from you and, and and see what else you know you're you're publishing and putting out? How can people learn? Uh, sure, I you know I've I've only recently started doing that. I've I've been telling stories for twenty years, and I, I think I told you before we started that one of the networking groups I'm in said they hate me because I write something, record it, and put it up within about 30 minutes. It's pretty low tech. It's not uh, fancy, but you know that's what I do. I've got Dave's Exploding Ambulance is kind of the newsletter that I started a couple of months ago. I record videos on that and same name on YouTube, Dave's Exploding Ambulance. But uh, really, these are stories that I put them together fast. I record them fast. Oh, that's a picture of my mom right there. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah, when she was a nurse. But wow. uh, <laughs> that's a long time ago. Makes me feel old. I've got the black and white family pictures. But, you know, it's, it's something that these are stories that I've thought about and used and heard from other people. They're not all my stories, uh, but they're things that have been useful and things that have helped people over years. And so it's they might be things I'm just throwing up quickly, but they're also um, there's 20 years of thought behind a lot of these. Well, thank you for for sharing that. Um, any any last parting words for Ian? I'm just so grateful that you've taken time out of your day to really, you know, um, share with the, the listeners your viewpoint on leadership. Um, and, and, you know, you have the Davis Floating Ambulance. People can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Um, is there email or something that they can email you if they if they wanted to, you know, sure. continue to be inspired? Yeah, you know, all my contacts on the LinkedIn, I've got my email, my phone number, um, people occasionally call me right out of the blue as well. That's that's great. I'm, I'm clearly happy to talk to anybody about leadership at any given moment. My, my wife says I have an unfortunate tendency to uh, educate people against their will. So I, I will happily pull out a soapbox and tell stories and get excited about whatever the newest thing is that I've learned. Um, but more than that, I I want to hear other people's stories. I want to learn yes. from all of you. I'm, I, I think I, I, I want to hear your curtain story, DJ. I know you've got one there, Demetrius. I, I want to hear that. I, I think that's exciting. Um, you know, yeah. we have recorded some 20 podcasts to this point and I have yet to be interviewed on leadership. So at some point, somebody's going to have to say, I'm taking a, I'm taking it over and I'm going to interview you, right? Because I have Let's not do it. my my, 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 my thoughts and views, right? You know, I, I do a little snippet here or there, but with, with us having 20 podcasts recorded and I, I have not been a guest on my own show. <laughs> well, well, let's, let's do that. I'm going to take you up on it. Let's do it. I want to, I want to hear your story earlier. You yeah. said you've got a story about why you stay in the business. Yes. I, I want to hear your story. We, we can make that happen. You know, I, I enjoy healthcare and, um, you know, as some people know, right, I, I've been in healthcare since I was 18, you know, and I, I love it. You know, I worked as a CNA all the way up to, you know, CAO, you know, administrator. So um, I love it. Um, we will have my time. But I, I, I want to thank you, Dave, for, for coming on Sound Leadership with DJ. I want to thank the audience for 
viewing sound leadership with, with DJ, we hope you gain valuable insights and inspiration from our conversation with Dave. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to our social media pages. You can follow us on YouTube and LinkedIn at Sound Leadership with DJ. And if you'd like to humbly follow me, my handle is your healthcare consultant on Instagram and TikTok. I want you to remember, leadership is a journey. It's not a destination. And Dave shared that with us. Keep striving to learn and grow and never give up on your goals. We wish you all the best in your leadership journey. And I hope you join us again here soon for more great discussions on sound leadership with DJ.